Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right. I'd like to welcome Kurt to Revolution. <laughs> and uh, all the online listeners, we are having an amazing day here at Revolution. Last week we had a pretty full house, and this week we have Kurt. I don't know what's happened. Maybe I made everybody angry last week and they decided to protest. Um, I could blame the weather, but it's kind of crappy outside. So actually, it's not actually really cool and refreshing. A little overcast. It's Caputo's fault. I shouldn't have read from Caputo. Damn you, Caputo. I've gone too far. I need to get back to reading Brennan Manning. Everybody liked it when I did that. Um, yeah. Life is tough, man. Life is full of... Feelings that are that are at odds with each other sometimes, I find. You know, you uh, humans are complex creatures. You can love and despise people all at the same time, and it is a weird, strange journey. Complex, the dialectics of life, I've learned, are uh, quite complex. But in some ways, I'm grateful for it because it causes us to work things out. Um, so today, um, in my constant What is Jay Reading <laughs> series, um, started reading this book, Anarchy and Christianity, by, how do you pronounce that? Jacques? Elul, Jacques Elul. Um, but I've been reading this book on anarchy and Christianity because anarchy has been something I've been a little bit interested in uh, due to the fact that the right and the left both seem to drive me crazy and I feel like we're always scapegoating each other with this two-party system. So I've just decided to look at alternatives to... Uh, my political involvement, even though I've been a pretty staunch Democrat most of my life. I have been most of my life, period. Um, But today I wanted to kind of look at what is faith and what it is to be a Christian and how much belief has to do with that system. Uh, one of the things in this book it talks about is uh, is uh, why sometimes anarchists uh, disavow Christianity and don't want anything to do with it. And I thought it was interesting. Um, and I'm going to get into just a tiny, tiny bit of that. And I'm going to read from the book. The central text is saying, sayings of Jesus, I am the truth. Contrary to what might have been said and done later, the truth is not a collection of dogmas or concealer or palpable decisions. It is not a doctrine. It is not even the Bible. It is not even the Bible considered as a book. The truth is a person 
It's not a question, then, of adhering to a Christian doctrine. It is the question of trusting in a person who speaks to us. Christian truth can be grasped, heard, and received only in and by faith. But faith cannot be forced. The Bible tells us that. So does common sense. We cannot force someone to trust a person when there is distrust. Um, there are a lot of people who have distrust in Christianity. I would even say distrust Christ um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, I think one of the main reasons is just looking at super the supernatural, you know, people go like, you know, how do I believe in these miracles and walking on water and a guy was killed and then came back from the dead and rose people from the dead and made people who blind can see, you know, I, you know, I just, it doesn't add up. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I've never seen it before. In some way, a lot of us are like Thomas. We want to be able to put our hands in the holes of Jesus' Of Jesus, we want it. We want proof, and um, and I think there's room for that. Um, I think there's a lot of room for that. Um, so what I wanted to look at was I'm going to start in Ephesians two, and uh, probably what used to be one of my favorite verses. Um, two eight is it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is not. A, it is the gift of God. Not that, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what God has made us, created us in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Um. It's not our works. It's not even our theology. And I'd even go as far as saying it's not even our belief. Um, Sarah Silverman had a skit that she did and talked about like how they'd crucify Jesus again, but she was doing a, like a skit and pretending to be somebody else, and I don't know exact things about it, but she was defending herself about it because she was catching a lot of flack for it. And I just was like, hey, I'm a pastor, and I dig you, you know. And I had a few people tell me that I wasn't a real pastor. This was on Instagram. It's always fun when that kind of crap happens on Instagram. And uh, questioned me, and the litmus test seemed to be with one person in particular is if I believed that gay marriage was okay or not. And it was funny because... At one point, they were saying it was about faith and about this and all that, and then the next minute, it was about what I believed. You know, and it's funny how we want to say, like, well, your theology then must make you a Christian, um, or what you believe must make you a Christian. Um, but the Bible talks about that a, a few different things in. Galatians, it talks about fruits of the Spirit, um, peace, patience, kindness, love, 
joy, you know, and these things are the way that you know someone's a Christian. And um, John, or a follower of Christ, if that's even a better probably way of putting it, in the book of John 13, I mean, there's a lot of, people can use a lot of different texts in the Bible to say what a Christian is and isn't, to be honest with you. Um, I'm just going to give you my two cents today of what I'm looking at and what I'm toying with. Um, 13, in John 13, 35, uh, even in 34, it says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, this is Jesus' last thing he says to his disciples before he goes and gets crucified and before he tells Peter that he's going to deny him and all this. And so Jesus is on his way to die, and he's giving them a new commandment, which isn't a new commandment at all, which is really strange. And he's very redundant about it. Jesus says, you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. He says it twice. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Actually, he says it three times. Love one another, love one another, love one another. So here's my, my, my thesis, my question, my idea, my thought, is if we love one another, if people are loving each other, but they can't grasp, the, they, can't, they have distrust in the church, they've been hurt by religion, they've been found this, but they are able to love the other. Is that not proof that Christ is relevant in their life? Is that not proof of them doing what Christ has required of his disciples? So when we see people loving each other, and you say, Jay, it's about grace, not works, you know, so isn't that works? But Jesus said that, you know, in Ephesians 29, that you'll be created to do, you know, you're saved by grace, not by works, because you can't brag about it. So there's nothing you can do to brag about it. And you've been created to do the good works that I did a long time ago. So he's saying basically, you know, grace is a free gift. These ideas are free gift. And loving others is how people know that you're mine. So can we recognize Christ in others even when they can't recognize Christ in themselves? And it might even be offensive to say, oh, I see Christ in you. And they're like, oh, no, you don't. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. But what I'm saying is, is, do we have brothers and sisters? Could it be that we have brothers and sisters that that just aren't, aren't confessed believers? That um, that aren't comfortable with the title Christian. I'm not comfortable completely with the title Christian, you know, and everything that it brings. Christianity. To say you're a Christian, you almost have to have an asterisk there to be like, this is the type of Christian that I am. 
I'm a liberal Christian. I'm a progressive Christian. I'm a Calvinist Christian. I'm an Armenian Christian. I'm a predestined Christian. I'm a post post-revelation Christian, post-whatever, post-rapture, pre-rapture, whatever, you know, what kind of Christian are you? It's just, I mean, if you go to spend any time in theology books, you realize it's quite a bit. And Jesus is boiling it down to your love for one another. Um, I think it was In Love Wins, surely I've been talking a lot about Rob Bell. I've only read a few of his books. But in Love Wins, he one of the reasons he wrote that book was um, there was an art show at their church, and someone had put up a picture of Gandhi, and someone put a post-it on the picture of Gandhi and said, reality check, Gandhi's burning in hell. And this is why he wrote the book Love Wins. And um, it's funny, in his community, um, in the city that he was in, People started to do this bumper war, bumper sticker war thing, where they, everybody had these love wins bumper stickers, and then other people made these bumper stickers that had God wins, which I means that by God wins means that some people are in hell. I guess I don't know, um, but people don't know the irony of saying then First John, God is love. So basically, the bumper stickers were saying the same thing. If you you know wanted to take it in a biblical sense. Um, I don't believe in hell, so in a literal hell. Uh, so for me, the destination thing isn't what it's all about, final destination. Um, I'm really trying to learn to live before I die. And, uh, you know, man, I hope there's a place that we all get to go together and hang out for eternity. Um, that would be interesting. Um, I don't... Could be tiring, um, but at the same time, um, you know, a place without pain and suffering sounds interesting. But then again, some people would say pain and suffering is what makes life interesting. Um, I'd say pain and suffering is a little overrated after the past year that I've had. Um, I've changed a lot and become a better person because of it. But honestly, I would not go through it again. If someone's like, you have to start this whole year over again, um, or you could start this whole year over again and even learn more, I would say, no thanks, I'll pass. It was too hideous. It was too painful. I've never experienced the type of pain that I went through this past year, and I've lost my mother. I've been through a divorce before, but for some reason this last year, my mental health and going through a divorce and having kids um, and trying to balance my life as a pastor was almost more than I can bear. I would say if it wasn't for about four or five people, I would not be here on this earth right now. I would probably know what afterlife is actually about because I did not want to live anymore. And that is just the reality of where I was at. Um, but there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. I grew up with the sinner's prayer where you said a prayer and you asked Jesus into your heart and you, you know, then stood up in front of everybody and made a confession and did all that. And that's not in the Bible. 
so my question is today is is if we can't force so I mean you know this is I guess where why some people believe in predestination and Calvinism I don't believe in predestination or Calvinism um I'm a bit of a free will person, but who knows? Um, you'll never know how the world works um, exactly and how our chemistry and our minds are set up. But we can't force someone to trust a person when there is distrust. We can't force someone to believe something when they just logically can't accept it. But we can see fruits in their life. You know, what does love look like? You know, Corinthians 13 gives us a really good thing. Never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance, keeps no record of when it's been wronged. You know, that, that is a good, clear idea of what love looks like. I guess today's going to be kind of a short one. Um, I mean, we don't have our stuff here for the afterglow, so that's okay. But I guess the question today is, is, is you know, I, I, I've kind of called myself a Paulinian speaker, believer, theologian. I don't know if I could call myself a theologian because I don't have the professional training in it, but my theology is very Paulinian. Um. Is there Thomas Linian? Doesn't sound as smooth as Paulinian, but is there a Tom Linian? Thomasites. You know, or we have Thomasites in our midst and we don't recognize it. You know? Uh, do you think that someone like Gandhi would be in hell? And Gandhi wasn't a perfect person, to be honest with you. We know that. But no human being is. All humans, even the Bible says, all fall short. We're all humans. I think that's what the idea of sin is, is that we're all broken people. Um, I think we've turned it into something else through tradition. But and uh, Especially American tradition. But loving one another. So if I see someone loving others, if I, you know, when, when Jesus says, when I was hungry, God, you and I was hungry, you fed me. You know, oh, but Lord, when were you hungry? We never saw you yet. When you did to the least of these. Um, just a court just ordered that the children in the camps actually be given three meals a day Get drinkable water, get toothbrushes, and soap and things like that. It's sad that we have to live we live in a society where we have to have a court demand that we treat the other with that type of love. It's also sad when I see people who claim to follow Christ say, well, their parents shouldn't have made that choice. So what? The kids deserve to sleep on the concrete? You know, 
to me, that's not love. So on the other side of that, are there maybe Christians who aren't Christ followers of all at all? Of course there are. So why is it to be so far-fetched to say, are there non-believers who are completely followers of Christ? You know? So if I see someone showing love, showing grace, showing mercy, would I know automatically that they belong to the same group I do? Followers of love. Followers of grace. Um, I think so. And that's where I end up today. Is uh, you know, I want to be with people who are seeking truth, seeking to live a good life finding ways that we can love each other better, finding ways that we can continue to uh, or discontinue to scapegoat one another, uh, figure a way that we can disagree better and move forward in this life and help others do the same, help others suffer less. Um, one of the things I have learned through my suffering is how important it is uh, to have people who are willing to listen to you and not try to fix you. And uh, I've been able to do that and return that favor a lot. Because I have had both. I've had both where people have sat down and tried to fix me and tell me I needed to get this and do that and do this and do that. And sometimes it's constructive, and then sometimes it's very hurtful. you know. But a love that just never gives up and just sits there and listens and is 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 magical, is supernatural. Love to me seems like this infinite thing that is so amazing that's going to be around after I'm dead. It's been around way before I existed. And if you're looking for something infinite, I find that love is that. That is an unconditional and. Uh, just experiencing other people's lives. And uh, when I was in New York, I used to say, you know, if, if only Christians are going to heaven, then, like, the majority of everyone on my block is going to hell because they're all different faiths. I mean, all different faiths. But they're all wonderful people. And so maybe the litmus test is love. I don't know. I don't know what it is to say you're a Christian or not a Christian anymore. You know? Because I see people following Christ who don't claim Christ. Doing a better job than those who sit and say, well, this is what Jesus would do, or this is what Jesus would say, or this, you know. And, and doing these, doing acrobat theology, you know. To, to justify why it's okay for people to have machine guns and for kids to be treated less than people who are in prison. To justify the suffering of the least of these. And I do believe that the least of these change in many of our minds 
to me, children at the border aren't the least of these. To me, they're very important. To me, sometimes the least of these are those who are saying, well, they shouldn't have come over here in the first place. So then the whole thing changes for me, and I go, oh, now I have to love these people and have to figure out ways to communicate with them and help maybe them see things differently? Yeah, I think so. I think it just changes and uh, evolves and moves and shapes things differently. So that's what I have today, and that's what I challenge you with you today is uh, who is my brother, who is my sister? I think that's what I'll call this one. Thanks for listening. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. (laughs) 